Welcome to The No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Okay, 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 folks. We have got a sponsored episode here. I am excited to share that I have partnered with an alternative beverage company called Nope. In case you didn't know, it is Sober October, y'all, and we are keeping things booze-free over here. Whether we are sober curious, sober sober, got a baby in the belly, we're detoxing for fun, or straight up wanting to challenge ourselves. Nope is changing the way we chill one drink at a time with awesome flavors like my favorite mango margarita with jalapeno. And these don't have that funny aftertaste that some of the other guys have. So stay tuned to get my unique promo code. And in the meantime, enjoy this amazing episode and keep Nope on your radar at drinknope.com. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of The Know with me, Nikki Spo. I am so grateful you are here. And today I'm extra excited because I am getting to interview a woman who has been at the top of my guest wish list. Back in December of 2020, when the idea of starting a podcast was just a tiny little seed, I put together a wish list of guests I wanted to interview. And at the top, I wrote down the name of an exceptional person and woman in sports, Lisa Joseph Metellus. As a sports marketing agent at CAA Sports, a division of Creative Artists Agency, Lisa Joseph Metellus spends her days working closely with many of the world's most renowned and accomplished athletes. Lisa's efforts are focused primarily on servicing the agency's basketball clients, which include Victor Oladipo, Tyler Johnson, and NBA champion Dwayne Wade, among so many others. She works closely with CAA's foundation group to assist with her clients' philanthropic efforts and sits on the board of CAA. Lisa started at the bottom as an intern with the Miami Heat so many years ago, and she has earned her way into this executive position with one of the most powerful talent agencies. She's a mom of two, she's a wife, and she is a total inspiration. And I am so excited for you to hear about her journey today. Let's dive right in. Lisa Joseph Metellus, what an inspiring person you are. And I am just thrilled to have you on the show today. So I don't know if you know this, but before I ever came to know you, I met your husband, Bobby, who is a talented photographer when I was shooting pictures for a local company called Life Brand back in that like 2010, oh 2014. God. Yeah. Run um, when we had like, you remember those Heedle shirts and yes. the heart t-shirts? Yeah. yeah. So that's when I met Bobby. And honestly, I was so like new to the, whatever, like the quote crew um, at the time. And there were so many new people that I was meeting through the basketball network that I truly like couldn't keep track of who was who. So I, at the same time, I had heard about Lisa Joseph, right? All the time. Um, Like big boss energy. Like, can we get this done? You got to ask Lisa. Think we can make this happen? Can we do X, Y, Z? Lisa's the person to talk to. So from simply talking to you then like here and there at events when it, when it lined up, like and with a lot of curiosity, I came to learn about all the amazing things that you have accomplished in your career. I have always had so much respect for you. And I also want to note that I had a very clear idea that you and Bobby both as individuals were family people. So when I finally realized that you were married, like it all made sense and it made me really happy uh, to see two awesome individuals who love their craft, reach success by their own definition and on their own terms. So with that said, we love you, Bobby, but this (laughs) this interview is about you, Lisa, and I'm just so grateful that you've taken the time to share your wealth of wisdom with us today. No, thank you. That's such a funny story. And 
And I know you met Bobby early on because you still refer to him as Bobby. Everyone calls him, everyone calls him Bob now because when our daughter was born, we called her, her name is Bobby L. And obviously everyone calls her Bobby and he lost his name and it was just, well, you're going back to Bob. So whenever I hear somebody refer to him as Bobby, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, he was the original Bobby, but yeah, Bobby L. has taken over that name. You are an executive at CAA Sports, and that is, to be clear, the creative artist's agency, which represents some of the biggest names in entertainment and sports. Can you walk us through your current role? So by title, executive with CAA Sports, um, but my role has has shifted over the years. Um, I currently serve as the co-head of our basketball marketing and client service group. And what that means really is we have over a hundred NBA players that are part of our team. And we also have over 40 people in our basketball department and myself and another colleague, Lloyd, we oversee our group and our group is really responsible for um, going out and finding amazing partnerships for all of our clients and just, um, day-to-day servicing. Um, that's the that's the quickest way to say it in a nutshell, but obviously there's a lot to fill in there. Um, I also am um, a board member at CAA. And so that really entails me being involved in the day-to-day operations of the entire agency, which is, which is a lot of fun as well. Um, so that's what I do. So wait, like CAA sports or like CAA, like the entire agency? The entire agency. So oh CA God. Sports is is part of the the bigger uh, creative artist agency. Um, so my day to day role, from a work perspective, is in sports, but my role as a board member is with the agency as a whole. And um, yeah, so I recently moved here to LA um, to be closer to what I call the mothership, which is here in Los Angeles. Um, and it's, it's, it's a fun, it's been a fun ride. I've been here for 11 years and I thoroughly enjoy it. From the outside, I feel like your role and your position has, has appeared very blended because I know you first as like heat fam, right? Yes, like that's how definitely. I came to know you, but yes. we're, we're going to get into all of that in a little bit, but I want to talk about also your other job, the one that's probably a thousand times harder and most likely thankless on many occasions while simultaneously being hugely rewarding and the one you definitely don't get paid for, which is mom. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about your family life as well. Yes. So as you mentioned, um, I'm married to, to Bobby Metellus and we have two beautiful kids, Bobby L who is an eight year old fierce and, um, full of energy, little girl, um, and I have a seven-year-old boy who's Amari Joseph Metellus. We call him AJ for short. So I got two babies. And um, as you said, this is, I always call them my most important clients. Like that's who matters to me every day. And that's what, um, you know, that's what life is about, being a mom. Recently, one of my friends had a baby. And like, I never really understood when people would tell me in the beginning, a welcome to the club you know? And like, I found myself and I actually used to like roll my eyes about it sometimes. And I found myself texting my, my friend and I said, welcome to the club, you know? And I remember thinking to myself, man, it's like, it's the hardest, but best club 
in the world. Like I really truly used to roll my eyes at these ladies that were like, Oh my gosh, my kids are my life, you know? And I'm like, but they really bring me just like, now I know I'm like, they bring me so much joy. I literally wrote in my journal last night. I was like seeing joy within my children lights my life up. Yeah, truly. Yeah. It really is. And it's funny because I think we all have those moments where before we become a mom, those, those of us who choose to go down that path, um, where we roll our eyes and we are judgmental and say what we will or won't do and have our thoughts and preconceived notions about it. And then, and then you become mom and then you get it. Like it just kind of clicks. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in man on the mom thing. I love it. I feel incredibly blessed to have two amazing kids and really they are my greatest motivation. With these two roles in our lives, right? Like our work life and our personal life um, and seeing how they overlap and they're both super important, right? Like we have this family element, but we also have the very important career element that lights us up from the inside too, right? That gives us so much happiness and joy and excitement and inspiration. So your career started before you had kids. I think about all the stages and phases of family life and work life. Each phase of our kids' lives brings on so many different challenges, and it's really the same with work if you think about it. So I definitely want to talk about how you've balanced all of those different stages like simultaneously, but before we get into that, I really want to take a look at the beginning of your career because from the outside, to those who don't really know your history, it really can look so effortless. Like you you already had worked alongside players like Dwayne Wade, and then you continue to push forward in your career, making your way to CAA. And before I started really be to, before I started to really become interested in your journey, I had no idea that you started out with Alonzo and Tracy Morning, which is something my husband told me recently. Um, he's the one who shared it with me. So is that where it all began? Well, it it, it began even before that with your husband. Um, he was, you know, I started my career really started and just quick background I, I was born in New York raised in Miami went to you know high school and um, went to the U shout out to the U University of Miami and when I was you know growing up I kind of you know you're trying to figure out what you want to do as a career and I knew that I always loved you know communications and PR in some capacity I had to definitely stay away from math and science that was not my thing um, and um, I always, I fell in love with the game of basketball, you know, and I remember, um, really back in the late eighties and early nineties watching MJ play. And just, I just remember that moment where it all connected for me and it clicked and I'm like, damn, I'm really into this. I have not one athletic bone in my body, but I just knew I was curious about like what what could happen there. So I went to University of Miami and that was my first time really getting a chance to work in sports in the sports information department. And then from there that led to my internship with the Heat. So I always I always love to talk about that, you know, I definitely am a Heat lifer. That's where I started. And thankfully two of uh the greatest basketball players that played the game in Alonzo and Dwayne played for the Miami Heat. They were faces of the franchise. And I've, you know, feel so incredibly grateful that I had a hand in their career in some aspect off the court. And so, but yeah, you know, I started as an intern with the Miami Heat and I always look back and laugh and just feel so good when I see Spo and I see Fizz and I see Nick Arison. Like I was interning when Spo and Fizz were video coordinators walking down the old Miami arena late night. You know, I was an intern when, 
you know, Nick Arison and Kelly Arison were ball kids. And then, you know, to fast forward, by the way, it still feels very like much like yesterday. And to see us all in our careers now is a tremendous blessing. And I think that that really was my start. And through that internship, I developed a really great relationship with Alonzo Mourning and was really instrumental and involved in really just helping him carry out his vision to do good in the community. And that came through a number of ways. If if anyone's watching an old school Miami, Miami Heat, you remember the Zoe Summer Groove back in the day, we used to create, we created this amazing event, three-day event to raise money for South Florida charities. And um, my role with Alonzo and Tracy was just to really help build their community initiatives. So that was whether it's through Zoe Summer Groove and the philanthropy we did through that, or whether it's building the Overtown Youth Center that's, you know, still standing today. Um, So that's really where I got my start. And how did you transition then from working directly with Zoe into moving into a position with Dwayne? So um, I worked with Alonzo for 13 years. And during that process, I met Henry Thomas. I actually met Henry Thomas when I was an intern for the Miami Heat. At the time, he was... Um, Tim Hardaway's agent. Um, and he just was always so kind and so thoughtful. And um, we had some interaction as an intern. Again, he's like a major agent. And I just remember, you know, connecting with him um, even early in my career. Fast forward to he becomes Dwayne Wade's agent um, at the beginning of Dwayne's career. He's based in Chicago. His office is based in Chicago. And he reached out and basically was like, look, I need help in Miami. I have this young rookie who I feel like is going to be a star and I need somebody on the grounds um, really making sure he's taken care of. So there was like no defined role at first, right? It was just like, I just want to make sure like someone has their eyes and ears on Dwayne and can be of support. Almost like Henry's second, like you're like his second. Right, exactly. Right, like his right hand, like you're faci- helping to facilitate things, like yeah. make sure he's good. Yeah, yeah. And just like Dwayne was young, you know, he was married at the time, had Zaire. I think Zaire might have been about uh, two years old. And and Henry just really wanted somebody, since he couldn't be there all the time, to help Dwayne navigate through this NBA life. And I was in Miami um, he knew my experience with Alonzo being in Miami and he thought, you know what, I need, I need someone and, and I would love for it to be you. So, you know, I, Dwayne hates when I tell this story because I'm like, I didn't know who Dwayne Wade was when Henry called me about him. Sorry, I missed the Marquette, you know, championship run. Didn't know who he was. I remember, I remember Henry coming and saying, hey, come to Chicago. I want to talk to you about Dwayne. And I remember Googling at the time okay, let me act like I know who Dwayne Wade is. I was like, and he was already like starting his first year with the Miami Heat. Um, And so I was like, okay, where's number three? He's this, he's that. Like, I'm going to, you know, play the role like I know. I did my research. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And very quickly after starting to work with him, I started working with Dwayne after his first year in the league. Obviously we all know the quick ascension and the, you know, the finals run and NBA finals MVP. Um, it, it, it made a turn very quickly all the way up. And, and so I've been with Dwayne now for, I think this is my 17th year. Yeah, actually 18th. Cause he's been two years retired. Yeah. It's yeah. It's been, it's been a long time. <laughs> 
Well, it's amazing. Also, it's like, and some, like what I was telling you earlier, it's just, it's been awesome. And I feel like a very, very much an outsider when it comes to him, but even still in this small capacity, I have been able to see his evolution from the outside, just like I'm sure all of his fans have been able to see. And, you know, when we got to, when Eric and I got to connect with him and Gab at the, at the hall of fame, and I was mentioning to you earlier, earlier, you know, he just seems like he's so good, like at peace, you know, and happy. And man, when I see people who radiate that kind of just internal happiness, that inner knowing, like it just, it rocks my soul. It makes me so, so happy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, and again, we were talking about this the other day, you know, and, and by the way, you know, watching somebody's evolution on the outside, I watch it from the inside and I'm still amazed. We were, we were talking about this just this past weekend. And as we were talking about it, I was in tears because I remember who he was at 22 and at 23. I know all of the drama. I know all of the journey. I was there. I lived it firsthand. I feel like I lived two lives. Um, and to see him at a place where he is at peace and he is, he's so incredibly blessed and, and, and he knows it and, and grateful for it. And for me, I just think it's always cool to see that in someone. I think it's just always cool to witness somebody's evolution and journey and know that you played a small part in it. You know what I mean? And so that to me, I feel completely honored and grateful. And I don't take that for granted even 17, 18 years later. Some of us in the sober community like to celebrate our sobriety with Sober October. But it's not just for the already sober people. It can be for the sober curious or even folks who are just looking to clean house for a month. And to help make Sober October fun, 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 I have partnered with Nope. Nope is an alt cocktail. Not your old-fashioned mocktail. Nope. We have an alt tail, an alternative cocktail. So I've tried a bunch of these non-alcoholic beverages because I love bubbly festive drinks, but obviously I don't want the booze factor in my life. And my biggest issues with all the other brands is that they all have felt very triggering for me, like too close to the real thing. This though, this is for me and my family. I even got hubby geared up to celebrate Sober October with me too. And he begs me, begs me to order these things for date nights at home. Nope. Alternative bevies give me that craft drink vibe with fun, complex, and layered ingredients for flavors like strawberry basil smash, rosemary vanilla lemonade, raspberry lime ginger beer, and my personal favorite because your girl likes it hot, the quite spicy mango margarita with jalapeno. You know what my favorite thing about sobriety is? The lack of embarrassment and regret. Like, do I want to drunk text my ex? Nope. Do I want to wake up with a misspelled face tattoo? Nope. Do I want to make a drunken social media mistake? Nope. And does this drink have booze in it? Hard nope. When you don't want to drink ever, for the night, for sober October, or you're having a maternity moment, the only explanation you need to give someone pushing a drink on you is nope. Plus, we got a woman-run company here, folks, and you know I love to support the ladies. So head on over to drinknope.com and enter my unique code, the nope for 10% off your first purchase. That's the nope. T-H-E-K-N-O-W-P-E. The nope for 10% off your first order. And stock up, boo-boo, because these drinks are going to go down fast. No funny business, no fuss, no regrets. Drinknope.com. I have a question about Henry Thomas. So was at the time, was Henry Thomas with CAA? 
when I met Henry, he actually had Thomas Sports Management. He had his own sports agency, and then he partnered with a, a bigger company in, in Chicago called CSMG Sports. And that's when he and I started working closely together, and we ended up merging with CAA. Understood. Because yeah. I'm thinking like, well, then how did you make the hop over, right? And yeah, it's all, it's all connected. Yeah, I, we made the hop over. I started working with Henry while he was at CSMG and CAA Sports wanted to continue to expand their basketball landscape. And again, Henry was well sought after from various agencies that wanted to partner with him. And we went through the process together, he and I, to figure out what would be the best fit and who can bring the best resources to our clients. And we felt good with CAA. And that's how we all ended up at CA and bought all of our clients with us. So, okay. And at what point in this whole journey, right? This is your professional journey. At what point in this did you and Bobby start to grow your family? And what was that like for you guys? So I, so I met Bobby when I was 33 and I definitely was at that place in life where we all have, might have been at this moment where it's, when is it ever going to happen? You know, I had been working in sports um, at this point at 33, like my career has a stride, you know, I was already well in with Dwayne. I, I was still working with Alonzo. I was just like doing it. And for a long time throughout my twenties, I wasn't so concerned with like my love life. Right. I was just like, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And then at 30, hmm, okay. It hasn't happened yet in any real form, but not going to panic by 31, 32. I started panicking. I started, you know, I started panicking in a way where it's like, as women, you know, you know that biological clock is ticking and, and where it was never a priority for me, you know, it became like, okay, well, when is it going to happen? Like, I'm not stressing it, but when is it? And, and Bobby came in my life at a time where I just had to be open because again, I, you know, I had my thoughts and and what I wanted. I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I knew what I needed, you know, and you filter people out um, just because they don't check all of the boxes. And I remember praying, you know, around that time. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to, op- I, I need to be open. And the next person that you bring into my life, I'm going to know that that is a person for me. And, um, and I knew Bobby was the one for me, like very, very early on. That's a whole nother podcast. Cause our stories, but, but, you know, it was, we, we dated for three years and then we got married. And I think a year later we started our family and, you know, it, it was, it was good time because I was at a point in my career where I wasn't insecure and I wasn't concerned about how having a family was going to affect it. I felt really grateful for that. Um, and part of it was because I had my family a little bit later. Doesn't mean I didn't deal with obstacles and challenges and and everything, but it was at a time where I felt comfortable. Um, and I know as women, we all deal with that. I talk to young women all the time who are like, okay, tell me, tell me how, you know, how it works. I want to start my family or I want to get married, but you don't want your career to be derailed. And my biggest advice is like, honestly, your family's everything. Like your career, your career will be there. And if this is, if this is the right moment for you, then this is the moment and that's what you should focus on. I hear so many stories about people who are like, well, he's got to have this and he's got to do that. And he's got to, you know, he's got to be like this 
right? And there's so many boxes to check. And I'm like, I listened to it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So there's so many guys we're turning away here, people, whatever. Not like yeah. there's so many people we're just, we're like turning them away because they don't fit into the standard we think we want, right? Um, when ultimately, like, it, the right person always finds their way to you. Absolutely. And I think the beauty of the journey and, and as you know, you, you've been married for some time and I have as well, just going back and, and when we talk about watching someone's evolution, I think the beauty of, of marriage and being in a relationship with somebody is watching that person's evolution. Like if you come to me already prepackaged, like what is there for us to like look forward to not just evolution with us as a couple but seeing the growth like i constantly celebrate bob's growth in life you know just as a man and i think that part of it is i always say it's just really about our the willingness is this person is this person open are they willing to grow are they willing to change and are you willing to do it together so when it comes to the kids you add kids to the mix now like we have we now we introduce bobby right to to your to your whatever, your bosses, D and Alonzo, like now you have kids, right? How do you, how do you balance that? Like what do, hold on. What does balance even mean? Balance means to me, it's a, balance is a tricky word, but, and, and I used to, I remember writing this blog um, that I still have. That's a little bit on pause right now. But when I started it, it was called one balance check. This was before I had like you know, kids and I turned it into one balanced mama. And it was always kind of tongue in cheek because I'm like, there's no world where you can fully be balanced, right? Like there's not, you're not like this every single day at every moment. Like you're up, you're down. There might be that, that weird moment where it all kind of just makes sense and it's all aligned. But for the most part, we're, we're like this. And, and, and I think the first part is accepting that that's okay. You know what I mean? I had to get to a place where, which is why I feel like it was great that I I did have my kids a little later in life. I think I had Bobby when I was 37 and, and AJ when I was 38. Because you get to also a point where I'm, I'm confident in who I am, number one. I'm, I'm secure in my work because I've done it. I've done the work for the last 10, 12 years. And, and then you also just get to a moment where you don't give up. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't care. Um, and not in a bad way. It's just like you become so secure in what's important to you that how and what other people, what other people think no longer matter as much, you know? And so when I had kids, again, I was at the right space in life where again, I had been working with, with Dwayne for so long. I was, I was with CAA and I'm really blessed that I was surrounded with people who supported that, supported, you know, motherhood and supported family. And that's really important. And I give credit to my heads of co-heads of sports and Howie and Bino um, understanding like, look, I'm out for three months. You know, Dwayne always likes to joke that like, cause I had my kids back to back. He's like, you took a year off. <laughs> like, I did in a way I had like, you know, some time off, but I took my three months maternity leave. I remember when I was pregnant with Bobby, I had a conversation with a woman who I work with, who I really view as a mentor. And I remember going in, like, I want to slap myself just thinking about my mentality at that moment. It's like, I'm all I need is six weeks. Like all I need is six weeks. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be available. And like, she was like, no, you need all your time. You need 
you know, the 12 weeks. And because that moment with your child, you will never get back. The work will always be there. And so I took my time with my kids and I stepped away from work. And again, you know, people were supportive of that. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that because I was able to do that. Not everyone is. Um, and that sucks. It's, it's, it's horrible. But I, for me in my personal journey, I had that support and, and, and that's what allowed me to do what I was able to do. But then the rubber hits the road, you're back to work. And it's like, all of a sudden, how do you juggle? I constantly give credit to the village I had, especially in Miami. I'm in LA now, so that's a whole different struggle. But I was surrounded by my family and incredible support that allowed me to travel and do what I needed to do. But it was hard. That first year I had Bobby, I did not want to leave her behind. So everywhere I went that first year, she came with me. She came to China with me at four months. Like I, I, I use this China example as like that that moment where like the rubber hit the road a little bit, where I had a decision to make. Dwayne was Dwayne was announcing his big partnership with Leaning at the moment. At that moment. And from a career perspective and work, I had put a lot of time and energy into that deal with him. And we were going to announce it, we were going to launch it, and we were going to celebrate it. Bobby was four and a half months and I was breastfeeding. And I was like, oh shit, like, what do I do? Do I stay behind and not take the trip to China? But I felt like I would have been missing out on a moment that from a career perspective was really important. You know, so you have that play, like, what do I do? I have a four and a half month. Do I travel with her? Like I'm breastfeeding. Like I'm, I'm not going to really have time. Cause when we do our China tours, we're like bopping around from city to city. It's like nonstop two weeks. And I'll never forget. Like I had, I think for a moment I had decided I'm just going to have to miss it because I'm not going to leave my child behind. And I don't feel like I should take her. And I, I remember sitting in this room and talking to Dwayne and and he was like, and he kind of like for a second was like, you're, you're coming to China, right? And I'm like, I want to, but like, I, you know, I have Bobby and I'm breastfeeding and I don't want to leave her behind. And he was just like, just bring her with you. And I was like, but then I would need my sister to come. And, and he was like, bring her with you too. And I was like, oh, can I? And he's like, yeah, whatever you need bring them along. And that was a moment for me when I talk about support and as a man, just stepping in and saying, no, like, I want you there, but I want you to have all the needs that you need taken care of. So if you need to bring your sister, if you need to bring Bobby, like whatever it was. And, and, and we went and he supported it and he made sure we were taken care of. And I felt so incredibly blessed to be able to be on that trip for two weeks in China you know, and not miss the moment that I felt like I deserved to be a part of, but then also be able to have my child with me and still breastfeed and still be there in the morning with her and at night and have my sister. Like, I remember feeling like I don't want to burden Dwayne with that. Like, this is this China tour. Like, I'm carrying around a four and a half month year old. Like, that's like, that was a lot, but he completely supported. And I always give him credit um, as someone who just allowed me to be in my, it allowed me to just be who I was. And I'm a working mom and, and, and he embraced it. I, less, I mean, like, I remember traveling with him to Chicago and leaving breast milk on the plane and we're like in the car driving to his house. And I'm like, 
oh, we got to go back to the airport. I left the breast milk. And he's like, okay, well, let's go. And, and I, I don't know if I'd be able to do, I don't know if I would have been able to accomplish all the things I accomplished if I didn't have that level of support. Yeah. And I think it touches on a much larger um, picture here, right? Is that in order to really move the needle with any type of equality, um, we need the other to be on board, right? Like, so when it comes to like women's rights and women's equality, we need men to step up and do the right thing, right? When we talk about equal justice, social justice, we need white people to stand up and do the right thing and be legit about it, be serious about it. Not just like posting it on IG or whatever, like, but actually put their money where their mouth is, right? And that's where we get to really, really move the needle, which brings me actually to the next thing I wanted to speak with you about. You know, I had the privilege of sitting in on a CAA town hall after the murder of George Floyd. And obviously this was a horrific event along with the countless other incidents of black people or people of color being wrongfully killed. But I say privilege because to, because I got to sit in on, listen to, and witness great minds like yourself speak, educate, and plan. So what initiatives are you currently spearheading or working on? Oh my God. First of all, the, yeah, the work never stops. So I think we all, you know, witnessed what happened. We call it the summer, uh, you know, the civil rights summer of 2020. Um, and there's a lot of work that we initiated during that time that we're still working on. One that, you know, I, I personally am involved with, I just had a call about the other day is the social change fund. And that was a moment where we put, um, you know, again, Dwayne, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and a number of other athletes came together and said, hey, what do we need to do to change, make change for good? And we, we launched the social change fund. It's still very much active. We actually just released our impact report. We've raised a ton of money. We have five different pillars um, that we are attacking, whether it's civic engagement to education, inequities and and health reform there's so much work that goes into it and it's funny because we always say like if it's not in the news it's in no one's face and i think people forget very easily one because there's just so much that's happened since then covid and so many natural disasters, but our goal with the social change fund is to continue to create awareness on issues that are happening day to day that affect people of color, brown and black people, um, and and figure out ways and initiative, initiatives to create that change. So that's one that we definitely are super hands on in and active in. But it for me, it's so many different initiatives too. It's you know as as my role on the board, and one of the things that I'm working on is how we can create better culture at CAA for our parents. And, you know, we're, we're all kind of going through this, like working from home and how do we create policy and make it where we just are better human beings across the board? How do we bring our best selves to work? So anything from the social justice front to even our work life and our mental wellness in that space are things that I'm, that I'm passionate about and I'm working on. So in the big picture, who have been some of your biggest mentors? I mean, I've, I've had a lot of different mentors, um, you know, both men and women. I, I can, you know, a few, I would say one of my first mentors coming into the space was a woman named Carmen Green. 
Um, you know, we've, we've known each other for 23 years and she's been a great friend, a great advocate, a black woman who started actually with the Miami heat fun, fun fact. She used to, Andy Ellisberg was her intern. No way. Yes. Yes. And I always like to say that because like Andy obviously is a big boss now, but Andy was her intern and she was one of the first, um, a few black women in sports at the time that was really making noise and, and just blazing the trail. And she's someone that I'm really, really grateful to call my friend. And we do a lot of work together. Um, and there's just so many people. I mean, I feel like you know, um, our co-heads in Howie and Vino, in ways, I look at them as mentors too. I don't think mentors always have to ask for women that we should just have women mentors. I think men could be incredible mentors as well and just how they do their job. Like I learned so much from them and, and it's incredible just to be surrounded by a number of mentors in my space that it's just like I'm pulling from them, you know, a little bit of everything. And that's really allowing me to shape who I am. You are so lucky. Lisa, I to am. Have that. I am extremely People. lucky. I'm extremely blessed. And, but you know what? It goes both ways. Like it takes someone like you, right. To allow yourself to be mentored. You can't teach everyone. Yeah. And I don't think we ever really stop learning. I mean, I think right. when we get to the point where we feel like we know it all, um, we have to be confident in knowing that we don't. And I think sometimes we put pressure on ourselves to feel like we do. I will be the first one to say in a meeting, like, I don't understand what you just said. Mm-hmm, or right. Get down for me or call the person afterwards and say, okay, I need like a session on this. There's so much that I don't know. Um, and I think that you can learn across the board. Like I'm surrounded by people who are older than me that are vets in the space. And I'm also, I surround myself with younger people. You know what I mean? Because even the people that I'm mentoring, and, and I think it's so important and I do a lot of that, but I'm learning from them as well. It's a never, never ending journey of just learning. And I think understanding different perspectives and, and, and being open to all of that. Yeah, totally. Totally. For sure. So we're going to wrap up pretty soon. And on a lighter note, I want to know a little bit more about you. What, what does a perfect day look like in the life of Lisa Joseph Metellus? Perfect day would be somebody would come and cook me breakfast and dinner and all. <laughs> a perfect day would be waking up, you know, on an island somewhere. Um, honestly, a perfect day for me, and I feel like I've come close to that. It's just like when everything clicks, right? Just, you know, it's those days where you do kind of feel like it all balances out, you know? And I think that those come very rare, but those mornings that you wake up and your kids are behaving. They're not fighting. It's all love, right? You get up, you make a great breakfast. Their bento boxes are full and they're happy with their food and they actually eat their meals and you send them off to school and you feel productive at work. You know, I think I I get really energized when I have a fully productive day at work and I feel like we're, you know, I'm also very much a person that like likes to write stuff down in a to-do list. And I get so and much. Them off. Listen, listen, process sucker off. And by the way, if there's something that I did that day that wasn't on a to-do list, I'm going to write it in and then cross it off. Because I do the I'm same thing. I do the same thing. I need to know I accomplished something, damn it. And so for me, that's, you know, and then you feel good. And, you know, a perfect day for me is being able to be creative and, and come up with a new idea and, and then be able to like 
end the day with my family and not, you know, make dinner and your kids actually eat and it tastes good and nothing got burnt. And, and, you know, that really is a perfect day, like ending the night with my kids in bed, you know, with my husband, us watching a movie, we play Uno a lot. Love that. So playing a really good game of Uno and just being with my family and feeling fulfilled across the board. I think, you know, what throws us off is when we feel like we missed something. And the reality is that's the beauty of every day. It's not always going to be perfect, but you have the next day, hopefully, to like recoup and, and, and redo. And what makes you feel most inspired? I am inspired by people. I'm inspired by ideas. I'm inspired by collaboration. I'm inspired by my kids. Um, oh, I'm inspired by family. Yeah. I, I'm inspired by watching other people thrive. So lastly, what advice do you have to women and specifically mothers in sports? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's anything different than I would, wouldn't say to anyone. Like, it's funny cause I keep going back to this word, but it's like being open and, and, and willing to be flexible and to change and to be, and, and be confident. I think we have to get to a place where we kind of live unapologetically. And I think we as humans are, we're changing and we're evolving, you know? So some of the barriers that we may have had when I first started, hopefully aren't around anymore where you can confidently be who you are when you show up to work. I'm a working mom. Like I got to step away or I have to take my child and not feel guilty and not allow anyone else to make you feel guilty because ultimately we have to prioritize what's most important in our life. And work isn't that but it's, it can be fulfilling and it can be something that drives us, but ultimately our family is what comes first. So be okay in being in that space. Like that's, that's my biggest thing. You got to step away to, to, to pump, go do your thing, like, and be okay. You know, usually you hide and like, oh, I got to pump. I don't want to let it up. Like, no, I have to pump. My child has to eat. So I'm going to step away for 30 minutes and be unapologetic about it. Lisa Joseph Metellus, you are such an inspiration and I'm so very grateful that we had an opportunity to speak like this. I know you're such a busy person and you have, you are doing so many things and it just, it means the world to me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. The hour went by quick and I appreciate the platform to share and the best of luck to you and continued love and blessings to you and Spo. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you, thank you, thank you to my friends at Nope who have kept me and my family satiated and sober. You can head on over to drinknope.com for a little gifty gift of 10% off your first order when you use my code, the Nope. Isn't that cute? That's T-H-E-K-N-O-W-P-E, the Nope. And yes, ma'am, we are doing big, cute things over here. Go order it up, order them all, and remember what you don't want, a hangover. Over and out, folks. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Nope. I am truly grateful you're in my life, quenching my desire for spicy, festive drinks. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful, and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued, and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. 
You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and the Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Dreams.